talking about uh, authority, spiritual authority. And I started off talking about the first week we talked about uh, taking thoughts captive. We talk about getting on the defense and getting in a position of authority and not letting uh, vain imaginations take over, not letting arguments and images take over our mind, pulling down strongholds. Do not let the devil hem you in, put you in a place where you, there seems to be no way out. By the way, there is no such place because God has made a way of escape for everything that we go through. But uh, nevertheless, you don't want to get hemmed in to a place. So we, we have some authority to do that, okay? And what, we're, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his tricks, his mind games. We're not ignorant of his deception of the mind. And if we start reasoning, 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 intellectually, we can get off. It's just because we're human. You know, it's not that we're bad or good. It's just that we have to go back to the word. Okay. So we have to put on the full armor of God, and then that you might stand, you know. And then last week we talked a lot about the delegation of authority, that God has delegated leadership and people for us to be under their leadership, and how valuable it is to stay under that. Do not rebel against it. Do not, you know, do not push back against it or create a problem, because it will create a problem for you, you know. Because God considers when you come against the delegated authorities, authorities that he's established, he considers it you coming against him. You know, he, he takes that kind of personal, okay? So uh, we always want to lift up our pastors, and we want to be able to say, this is my church. If it is your church, we want to be able to say, this is my church. And we want to be able to say, Pastor Albert is my pastor, and Scott is my pastor, okay? We want to be able to receive what they have. And it brings power and authority. It says in the Bible, as every joint supplies. Well, it's not a, it's not a, in my hometown when I grew up, a joint was like a place, a beer joint, okay? No, this is joints in the body. And last time I checked, I don't have a medical background, Pat, but every bone is connected. Is that right? Every bone is connected and, and every joint supplies in that, in that thing. So we don't want to say... Well, I'm not going to receive the supply from Ivy because I can sing. Well, now, wait just a minute. He's on another level. See? He's on another level. He's a different member of the body. Does that make sense? You know, it's not that he's better than me or I'm better than, than him or, or Bob back here is uh, better than me or, you know, whatever. It's, this is not about, you know, who's the best at doing something. It's not about ability, but authority trumps ability. It's, it's higher, okay? So we do what God's positioned us for. Okay, now we're caught up with two weeks, okay? If you can hold on to that. What we want to talk, I want to talk a lot about the words tonight, the words of authority and the faith-type words because it's so, so, so important, okay? So in Hebrews, I'm going to start out with Hebrews 11.3, and I'm going to kind of machine gun scriptures here. So if you're going to look them up fast, fine. If you get behind, uh, write down the scripture reference and look them up later and that sort of thing. But, okay, here, so here we go. Okay, Hebrews 11:3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. 
That's a powerful scripture there. What that tells us, that faith-filled words created the world. Faith-filled words. That's the way God did it. He did it with words, he did it with faith, and he did it with wisdom. Okay? That's how the world was created. So things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, that's kind of mind that'll blow your mind, right? I mean, because we're used to dealing with the natural world. That's when we, we stand up here and we sing a song and we pray in the Holy Ghost and pray. I mean, things move. See, that's the reason. Because we're talking about faith-filled words. It's not about me. It's just operating in the, in the word. Okay, now here's one. Uh, if you haven't run into this scripture before, I'm going to just run this one. Psalm 45.1. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Psalm 45.1. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Now, when you first hear that scripture, you're going to say, I have no clue what that means. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Okay, hang on. Just hold that thought. Okay. Proverbs 3.3. 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Okay, what are we supposed to bind around our neck? Mercy and truth. The dual, the balance in the scripture. Okay. On one side is, this is the law. This is the truth. Can't change it. It's the truth. On the other side is mercy. It says, forgive them. Give them another year. You know, mercy. You've got to have both. So keep those on. Keep them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I didn't know I had a tablet. Inside of my being, you know, I'm a spirit being, I have a soul, I live in a body. Well, my spirit being, I have a tablet. I have something I can record words on, right? Okay, so it says, write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, Matthew 12, 34 uh, says, how, how you being evil speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we've got a heart, we are spirit beings, and out of our heart comes the words that are in there. I mean, if that heart fills up with good, then good words come out. If the heart fills up with bad, bad words come out. Okay? Makes sense? All right. So then Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay. All right. Now, so what do we got here? We've got, uh, in the beginning, in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word has been around for a long time. It's been around a lot longer than we have. And the Word is the one thing that, that will never, ever change. When the grass will wither, the flower will fade, but the Word of God will last forever, right? This will never change. This is unchangeable, okay? Now, if you add faith to this, if you add faith to the unchanging Word of God, okay? Now, uh, in Romans 12, 2, it says, everyone has a measure of faith. We all have it. You don't have to go get it. You have it. Everyone has a measure of faith. If you use that measure of faith and you sow the seed of the Word, you take what faith you have and what word you know, and you sow it. Now, how do you sow it? Remember, your tongue is the pen of a ready writer. If you speak it, you sow it. 
When you speak it, you sow it. Okay? When you believe it, you have it. When you speak it, you sow it. Okay? So when you, when you sow the word, it will fill your treasure chest. It will fill your heart. It'll start, you know, the, the, the deception the enemy wants to, wants to put on you is going to be overcome and it's going gonna, it's gonna to go out and your heart's going to be fill of, filled up with the unchangeable word of God. The same word that created the earth from its foundation is going to be inside of you. That gives you authority. This is what we're talking about. When we're talking about authority, we're talking about the authority of the word inside of you. It says, bind it around your neck, you know, any way you can picture it. Use your tongue as a pen of a ready writer. Write it on the tablet of your heart and know that when you speak it and when you believe it, it records and it encourages and it strengthens and it builds you up. It's here to face, so you can face the next adversity, so you can face the next storm, okay? And, and so, all right, so then... Well, where your heart's going to be, well, that's where your, you know, where your treasure is, is where your heart's going to be. So you fill your life with what you want. Your heart will be there. And from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks again. And it just over and over and over. This is just what we do. This is our life. We just, we, we are people that we, uh, we're not contentious people, angry people. We're not, are we? We're not. We're not, are we? No, no, no. Surely not. Okay, we may be aggravated people, we may be irritated periodically, but we have to push past that and we say, now wait, who am I? Well, I'm, you know, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm in, you know, I live in a body which has some weaknesses and things like that, but I am a spirit being under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ with the word of God inside of me. And there's nothing that this word can't overcome. Nothing. And so I am not just out here getting baffled and knocked down by the world and, and everything that comes along because I have the Word of God inside me. You can knock me down and my head will pop up. You know, I mean, it's, it's like we, we do get knocked down sometimes, and, but we get back up. And so what do we do? What do we do to encourage ourselves in the Lord? What do we do to get, get ourselves going again? You start speaking. Start speaking the Word of God. Okay. All right. So if you're here tonight, you're blessed because what you're getting is the word in you. You're getting this in you. I'm trying to pour it in you. And then you're going to take it and you're going to go to another level with it tomorrow. And then the next day and the next day. I mean, you can read it on the way to work. You can put CDs in your car or whatever. You can use your phone. You can. There's ways to get the word inside of you. Okay. But if you listen to CNN and Fox and you just, you know, do that, that little number, you won't, you won't get this, you know. You just won't get this. So, all right, so that's kind of the process. Now, there's so much on the Word here. And it just gets, uh, it just gets richer and richer as you, get, you go through the Scripture. Okay. Proverbs 10:11 says, "The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked." If you notice that where there's violence and evil in the wor- world, there's there's a lot of evil words, a lot of evil conversation going on, a lot of spewing out of evil, you know, and it just perpetuates more. 
but the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Uh, now, Proverbs 11, 9, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Proverbs 11, 11, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Now, now that's a good one. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. So wicked people will spew out things, and they'll try to pull authorities down. See, the devil loves pulling authority down. He just loves that. I mean, if he can break an authority, if he can cause somebody to fail or weakness or, or get somebody to be on the, you know, if he can get an authority, somebody that's supposed to be in a place of integrity and get them to violate their integrity, integrity some, and then he can accuse them and get them broken down, this is what he wants to do. But we have the Word of God, and we can be on the blessing side of things. So we don't want to join in with the world and criticize and tear it down. That's not what we're here to do. That's not what we do. So the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Uh, now, Proverbs thirteen two: A man shall eat by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. Have you ever noticed how violent the earth is right now? There's so many violent acts taking place. And, and you wonder sometimes, well, what's the motive? And sometimes you can't hardly find a motive. You know, you know why did they do this? You know, so we are in, uh, we're living in the last days. I believe we're living in the last days. And I believe it's like the day of Noah. And in Noah's day, it was very violent on the earth. It was one of the characteristics of the time when he lived. Okay. So do we need the word of God and do we need authority? You bet we do. We need it now more than ever. Okay. Uh, let's see, Proverbs 18, 20. Uh, I think this one, I was working at the time, I was working at uh, a contract job for BP. And uh, I, isn't this crazy? I remember driving into the parking garage and try, I'm driving. I'm trying to memorize the scripture. I'm trying to. I'm trying to quote it back, and I just kind of went through it, just kind of learned it. And then I'm, I'm trying to speak it, and I thought, I wonder what it means. <laughs> you know, it would be nice to know what it means. It says, Proverbs 18:20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lip, uh, produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Do you ever think of this? Words you speak are like producing something. They're produce, okay? And that you are actually satisfying yourself. You're you're blessing other people when you speak good words, but you're also, instead of saying stomach, maybe we could say your your soul and your spirit man, your heart is being satisfied. You're being satisfied with the Word of God because the Word of God is sweet. You know, the Word of God is precious. And, and so you are not just speaking into the wind and the words go out and they don't do anything. You are actually building yourself up. You know, Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. 
saying, soul, bless the Lord. This is what you're supposed to do. He said, don't forget his benefits. Forgives all your sins and heals all your disease. Don't forget that. And so he's, he's building himself up there. And I think Proverbs 18.20 probably applies to that. Okay, you remember we talked about the centurion in Matthew 8.8. 8. Now, the centurion, I won't tell the whole story, but you know the centurion, he's the one that stepped in, and he told Jesus, he said, but only speak a word. So Jesus said, well, I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to heal your, I'll come to your house, and I'll heal your servant. And the and centurion actually stopped, and he said, no, 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 don't do that. Just speak a word, and he'll be healed. And, and it's a mystery because, I mean, how did he get that kind of faith? Well, he got that kind of faith because he understood authority. And that's kind of why we're teaching this tonight. He understood authority. Well, make sure we all understand. If you have authority, you say go and they go. You say come and they come. He watched Jesus cast out devils. He watched Jesus heal lepers. He watched Jesus put his hand on a leper and he was healed. You know, and he saw, man, this guy's got authority. I've never seen anything like this before. And so, it, so he had faith in Jesus and his servant was healed. Uh, because Jesus spoke the word. Just speak the word. Okay? Sometimes you don't have to go there. Sometimes you don't have to lay hands on somebody. You just speak the word. That's it. Okay, Matthew 6.31. Now, I'm going to, this is King James. I usually do New King James, but I like the way King James says this. It says, therefore, take no thought, saying, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Uh, it's trying to encourage us that God's going to provide for us. He's going to take care of our needs. That's what it's saying. But I like the way it's, it's, it's described. Therefore, take no thought, saying, well, how do you take a thought? How do you take it? You say it. Joyce says you say it. Is that the way you take it? You take a thought when you say it. If somebody tells a dirty joke and you say it, you just took it, you know? If you think a thought and you say it, you took it, okay? But, you, you know, you just have to realize you can think it, you don't have to say it, right? If it's, if it's not good, you don't have to say it. Now, Romans 10, 8, 9 uh, This is a power, powerful faith uh, scripture here, Romans 10, 8, and 9. Okay, I'm going to start in, uh, I'm about verse 6, okay? I'm going to start a little early, Romans 10, 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Okay, the righteousness of faith speaks this way. Well, I want to know how it is, because I want to speak this way, Okay? It says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Well, I don't have to go get him, right? It says, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Well, I don't have to go down to get him, okay? All right? But what does it say? Well, I want to find out. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. It's in your mouth and your heart. It's already there. It's with you. That is the word of faith which we preach. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the man mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you don't confess your salvation, if you don't say something, it's not finished. <laughs> you know, when you speak it, it's finished. When you speak it, it's a done deal, you know. All right. So in, in Mark 4, verse 13 to 14, there's a description of the sower who's sowing seed. And we find out in that parable that the seed is the word of God. So he's, he's got this seed and he's sowing it. Okay, he's sowing it. And the seed is the word of God. So when we speak the word of God, when we act, and I should say this too, you can act on the word of God. I mean, not everything is a word that you verbally say, but you can act on the word of God and activate the word of God through obedience. Okay. So just remember, obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay. Obedience. And Matthew twelve thirty six says, but I say to you, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. So idle words count. Idle words count. Well, you say, well, God knows I didn't mean that. God knows I didn't mean that. Well, he knows you didn't mean that. But your spirit on the tablet of your heart just wrote down. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just wrote it. You, you know, it's like... In our mind, in our mind, we don't have a, a very good erase mechanism. It's like we're on record all the time. So, you know, like if, if, if you're going to record a song, Ivy, if you're going to record a song, you kind of want to practice a little bit, and then you get all ready. And then you hit the record button, and then you record the song. If you mess up, you want to go back and redo it, right? So you want to go back and record over it again and get it right, right? Okay, but with your, the way we're, we're set up on the tablet of our heart, so to speak, or in our hearts, in our hearts and our minds, uh, they're on record all the time. They record everything. I mean, I've had people in the office situation start to tell a joke, and I thought, here it comes. And I have actually done this. This is pretty great. I have actually done this. Because I know if I hear that, I will record it. And it may come back to me for weeks and weeks and months and months. And then I got, I got to try to get rid of it. Well, how do you get rid of the stuff that got there somehow? Well, the way you get rid of it, you get back in the Word and you re-record. You re-record. And you ask God to take those thoughts and images and those old words, take them out. You know, you bind them. You bind them and remove them. Okay? All right. So, uh, in Isaiah 51, 16, it says, And I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. Okay. So God is saying to the people, he's saying to the people, I have put my words in your mouth. Praise the Lord. All right. Now Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answered and said to them, 
Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. I'm telling you, those scriptures can change your life. They can change your attitude. Uh, don't be concerned if your mind doubts, but your heart believes. Okay, because that's sometimes that's the case. We just need to keep renewing the mind. But you get things written into your heart so that your heart can believe even if there's a mountain in front of you. Okay? All right. So, uh, Joshua 1... Eight and nine. Now there's there's four verses. I've given you I don't know how many verses so far, but I want to give you four really powerful verses about the word. These are the four. These are four of my top ones. Okay. Okay. Joshua one eight and nine. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Let me say that again. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night. Okay, meditate in it day and night. Well, that's what you're going to think, right? Okay, that you may observe to do. Observe to do. To do, well, that's to act on. That you may act on. According to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. If somebody says, well, how are you going to make your way prosperous? How are you going to have good success? That's the formula right there that's given to us. It says that if you'll do this, not let the law depart from your mouth. Not let the word depart from your mouth. In other words, speak. So what you speak is going to make a difference. The word you say is going to make a difference. But you shall meditate on it day and night. What you think about day and night is going to make a difference. That you may observe to do what you act on will make a difference. So what you speak and think and act on will make a difference as to whether you're prosperous or you have good success. That's what the Word says. Praise the Lord. So we have a little authority there, don't we? We have a little authority, a little bit of, you know, let's, let's be careful with this. Well, you never know what God's going to do, and, and we just don't know what God wants to do, and we'll just, you know, we just have to wait and see what God wants to do. Well, sometimes you're waiting on God. And sometimes you're trying to find God's will. That's true. But when you get the word, it says, don't let this word depart from you. Okay, so Joshua had a specific word he was supposed to meditate on, and it would give him success. Okay. Uh, I want to read something. Jeremiah chapter 1. And I'm going to start in verse 9. Uh, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and he said to me. Now, did you get that? The Lord put forth his hand and touched his mouth. We're talking about Jeremiah. Touched his mouth. Okay? Behold, I put my words in your mouth. Wow. Okay, see, I have this day set before you. I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, 
Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And then he says in verse 12, now this is, this is important, verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. God is a performer. He's ready to perform his word. He's waiting. He's touching your mouth. He's ready for you to speak. And he performs. You ready? He's ready to speak. And he performs. Why does he need me to speak? He has already spoken the word. Why doesn't God just go ahead and do things? I don't know. I don't really know, except that I know that he's given authority on the earth to men. And he's not backed off of that at all. In Genesis 1.28, you know, we read that we have, we are to take dominion over the earth, we're to subdue the earth, we're to fill the earth, we're to bless the earth, and God is not backed off of that. He still relies on us to take authority. See? All right, let me give you another one. Okay, Psalm 138. I'm just going to read the last part. This is a verse from verse 2. It says, For you have magnified your word above your name. You have magnified your word above your name. Well, I thought his name was the highest. You know, he has a name above all names, but this scripture says his word is above his name. That's how powerful it is. That's how powerful. That's our authority there. Okay, so now Proverbs 4 so what have I given you so far? Joshua 1, Jeremiah 1, 12, Psalm 138, now Proverbs 4, 20 and 22. <clears throat> my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. It's like there's healing in the word. There's healing. There's there's. Everything you need is here. Everything we need. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, I can't end this without uh, giving you an example of somebody who kind of messed up. Okay? So let's do that. Okay. Luke chapter 1. There's a man named Zacharias. Okay? Now, Zacharias was a good man. Zacharias was uh, a priest. And, uh, okay, so let me just start with, uh, I'm going to start with verse 8. So Luke 1, 8. So it was that while he was serving as a priest. Now this is, we're talking about Zacharias. He's serving as a priest before God in in the order of his division. According to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense, and he went into the temple of the Lord. In other words, it was like his turn. It was his time to do this. Okay? In verse 10, And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. The whole multitude. Does that mean thousands of people? Multitude is a lot, right? Okay, so, so they're all waiting. He's going in to do this. And they're praying. Okay, then verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear came upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. 
and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And he'll make ready the people prepared for the Lord. And then Zacharias in verse 18, he says this. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And it sounds like a logical question. He's old. But verse 19, And the angel answered and said unto him, Now I wish I could speak this the way the angel probably spoke. This is Gabriel now. So I don't have the voice and everything, but I'll try, okay? I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring to you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. He's gone. <laughs> so what did Zacharias do wrong? An angel. This is Gabriel. He's an archangel. He's one of the highest angels from heaven. He comes down. When he speaks, you say, yes, sir. You don't. You don't tell him, I'm too old. How can God do this? You see, what? let me tell you what happened to Zacharias. Here's what I think happened, and it happens to us too. Okay, We look at our circumstance and we have a vision, and we have a promise, and we have a dream. Something we want to see happen. And that dream gets stomped on, and it gets trodden down, and it goes by the wayside. And it's just like that dream is never going to happen. You're never going to get out of this situation you're in. You're always going to be like this, and you get older and older and older. And pretty soon, you let the dream go. And Zacharias had prayed to God, and Gabriel came down to give him an answer to his prayer. But by the time Gabriel got there, Zacharias let the he let it go. He let it go. He already said, I'm too old. And my wife is too old. That's two reasons why God can't do this, you know. But Gabriel said God could do it. And okay. So then now what's gonna happen? Okay, so uh anyway. Zacharias can't talk now. He can't say a word. Because God can't trust him. He is in authority. If he speaks something, it changes the course of things. This has got to happen the way God said it. This has got to happen exactly the way Gabriel spoke it. And he can't have Zacharias uh, speaking anything else like he just spoke in verse 18. Okay, so uh, now the people are waiting outside. And uh, it says, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. Well, he's a long time coming out because he's, he's still probably quivering. I mean, he's probably trying to get composure, finish what he was doing there, you know. And, and, then, and when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they perceived that, it, 
perceived that he'd seen a vision in the te temple, for he'd beckoned them and remained speechless. So they're all outside. He comes out and he can't say a word. And they think he, something, God has done something. They know something's happened, but he can't tell them what happened, you know? So, okay, so then, all right, now, the next thing that happens is uh, there's this little young teenage girl named Mary, okay? And, uh, an angel appeared to her in verse 34. Uh, well, let me see. Uh, let's see. Let me get the right verse here. Okay, let me start with 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Hey, that's the same angel, right? Same one. To a virgin betrothed to the man whose name was Joseph in the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled, saying, and considered what manner of greeting was this. So she was a little concerned. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you find favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and it shall be called and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Then in verse 34, here is Mary's response, similar to when Zacharias responded, but let's see what she says. She says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? since I do not know a man. She was asking the question, I'm a virgin. That's a logical question to ask, right? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you and therefore the Holy One who is born of God will be the, called the Son of God. All right? So that's a different kind of response. All right, in verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. In verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maiden servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. He's gone. That's a whole lot different. Let it be unto me according to your word. Zacharias, if he had it to do over, he would have said something like that. Well, we all make mistakes. You know, we all make mistakes. Okay. All right. So verse 59. I'm going to skip down here a little bit. So it was on the eighth day. They came to circumcise. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth, let's see. Verse 57. Now, Elizabeth, full time, came for her to be delivered. Time came for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it's a time of rejoicing. Elizabeth has had her baby. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by the name of his father, 
Zacharias. Well, that's what you did in those days. His name was supposed to be after the name of his father. Verse 60, but his mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there's no one in your relatives who is called by this name. How can it be John? Okay, verse 62. So they made signs to his father. You know, the mother doesn't have enough authority. Maybe she doesn't understand. So they're going to go up one. They're going to go up another level, right? So let's go to the father and see who he, who, you know, he's probably going to say, well, his name is Zacharias. Okay. There is one problem, though. He can't speak a word, right? Okay. So they made signs to his father. Uh, what he would have him called. Now, I don't know what kind of sign, you know, you point to the baby, you say, uh, you know, what, what do we call him? <laughs> so they made signs. So Zacharias in verse 63, and he asked for a writing tablet. Oh, here's that tablet again. Okay. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. They both agreed. Him and his wife agreed. His name is John. Zacharias had learned his lesson, hadn't he? He did not try to take authority and put his name in the place of John. Okay? And when he wrote this on the tablet, immediately his mouth was open, his tongue loose, and he spoke, Praise God, we're back again. We can speak again. Because we finally submitted to the authority of God. And, I mean, he didn't speak it. He couldn't even speak it. He had to write it. So, I mean, if you can't speak it, write it down. (laughs) You know? I wonder, why didn't he do this about nine months ago? Get the tablet out and say, his name is John. But I don't know. Maybe he didn't think of it. Okay, so there's an example. Why was that so important to God? It's because Zacharias had authority. And he could, God could not have his plans and purposes changed. Okay, let me give you one other example here. There's a scripture in Ezekiel 37 where Ezekiel was taken to a, dry, a valley of dry bones in the spirit. He's in the spirit now, okay? But he observes that there's many bones here. And God said to him, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's not stupid, Okay. So Ezekiel knows if he says yes, God's going to ask him to do something, right? He knows. I mean, he's, so he didn't say yes. And if he says no, he may be denying the authority and power of God. And he's smart enough to not say no. So God says, can these bones live? So he says, so I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Excellent answer. Excellent. If, here's, a, here's a lesson. If you can't say something good, don't say anything. You know? If you can't speak something good, just clam up. Just be like Zachariah. You know, one day get the tablet out and write, I only speak good things or whatever, you know. Uh, all right. Well, is Ezekiel off the hook? No, he's not off the hook. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of God to these bones, surely I'll cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I'll put sinews on 
on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know I'm the Lord. So what did Ezekiel do? He's commanded to prophesy to the bones. Now, keep, keep in mind, God just did it. Didn't he? God just said, this is what I'm going to do. And now he's waiting on Ezekiel. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, I looked and the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. So here's a valley of bones like there's 200 and something bones in the human body, right? And the thousands of people probably buried in this. So we're talking about a lot of noise, a lot of sound. These bones have got to all clank together and come together. And he's watching this. This is almost like, it's almost like a resurrection in slow motion from the bone level up. It's almost like when Jesus comes in the clouds, what's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye is happening here. He's seeing the bones come together first. Then he's seeing the sinews, and then he's seen the flesh, and then the skin. So they're complete human bodies, much like Adam was when God formed him. But then remember, God breathed a breath of life into Adam's nostrils, and he became a living soul. And so Ezekiel says, but there's no breath in him. There's no breath in him. Uh, so also he said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man son of man that's that's uh, Ezekiel okay and say to the breath thus says the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe on these slain that they may live so he tells him what to say I mean he's telling him what to say but he has to say it isn't, it, isn't this something? He has to say it. Okay. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came in, them, and they lived, and they stood up their feet, exceeding great army, like a powerful army. They started forming probably columns and, and looked like an army ready to do whatever God told them to do. Okay. This is a miracle. It has to do about, you know, God bringing together his people. You know, they're scattered and bringing them together and, and all that. But it speaks to me because it tells me something about our words and our authority, doesn't it? Okay? We can speak life and give life. Or we can speak death over people. We can speak cursings over people. Or we can speak blessing over people. And it makes a difference. This is authority. This is God teaching authority here in this scripture. Uh that's a good example, okay? Okay, there's a bad example, okay, that, that comes up. Well, part of it's good and part of it's bad, so let me give you both sides. Okay, in 2 Kings 7, uh, the, Sir the Syrians have got the Samaritans boxed in, and the, the gates of the city are closed up, and all that's there is some four lepers sitting out on the front porch, just waiting to die, and everybody inside the city is waiting to die, and the people are actually dying of starvation. And the enemy, the Syrians, 
They have had a great success in their warfare, and they're just waiting outside. Till the city breaks down completely, they're going to go in and take them. Okay? But Elisha gets a word from the Lord. Okay? And the word from the Lord is, about this time tomorrow, a sea of the finest flour will sell for a shekel, and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So, about this time tomorrow, there's going to be plenty of food. That's the word that he had. So Elisha, you know, Elisha's going through this with everybody else. He's inside the city. He's probably hungry too. He gets a word from the Lord. He gives this word from the Lord. Everybody's all excited. But the king had put an officer on whom his arm leaned in charge of the gate. So there was a man of authority in the city who was in charge of the gate. Now, in those days, the gate is, that's, that's an important place, okay? So this man is an officer. He's one that the king relies on for counsel. That's how important this guy was, okay? So after Elisha prophesies, the officer stood, stands up, and he says, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? In the meantime, there's four lepers out on the front step. And one of them stands up and says, why set we here till we die? Let's just go into the enemy's camp and maybe they'll let us live. And if not, oh well. I mean, really mighty men of faith, right? But at least they were going to do something. Okay, so these four lepers go into this this enemy's camp and God did a surround sound thing and he made it sound like that it was this huge army. And I mean, if you heard this with your ears, you'd be convinced too. It sounded like a huge army coming down on them and they just said, they just left. They just ran. So the enemy ran, left everything behind. These lepers are there, there's food, There's all kinds of booty from their warfare stuff there. Okay. So they go into the city. And the lepers said, well, we can't keep this to ourselves. They go into the city. And uh, they give them the good news. And so when the good news finally got out, the people all, you you can imagine, the gates of the city open. The people start pouring out, you know. And this guy that had spoken, this officer that had spoken, this negative word got trampled in the crowd, and he died. And Elisha had prophesied, okay, everybody's going to have food tomorrow, but not you. You're not going to touch it. I mean, so how important, is, how important are our words? You know, especially when there's a word from uh, from up here or a word from a pastor or a word from the Holy Ghost so important and it's so important that we embrace the things of God and the word of God and, and respond to the things of God appropriately so we're not we're not saying the wrong thing because we don't mean to you know I mean if this man had it to do over maybe he could have redone that Okay, But where it gets really serious is when you're faithful in a few things and God promotes you to a level and he puts you up in another level. Okay, 
and then he puts you up at another level, and he puts you up at another level. Remember the sin of Satan was self-exaltation. Satan got to looking in a mirror, and he got to looking at who he was and his abilities and what he could do, and it got his focus off of, wait a minute, he is a servant of the Lord God. We're servants of the Lord. We serve God. That's what we do. So we can't get out of our place of uh, authority. We can't get out of our place of, of humility and being a servant. We have to stay focused. And then when we do that, we will respond correctly. Out of the abundance of our heart, we'll, the words will come. The right word will come. We'll say the right thing. We'll have the word in season. You know, we, we need to be... We need to be not so timid, but more bold when it comes to our place of authority in the world. So here's the world over here. <clears throat> and I like what Terry Mize said. I think the last time he was here, he said this, if I, if I remember right. He says, we need to interrupt the world. We need to interrupt them. So uh, I think we need to be a little more bold. And don't be afraid to interrupt somebody. Okay? And you want to speak the word as God gives it to you, and you want to be led of the Holy Ghost. You can't take authority over people and just make them do things. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that when there's an opening and there's an opportunity, we need to speak the word because it's powerful. It's life-giving. And we can be a source of blessing that God can use. People can be healed just by the words you speak, they can be healed in their body. They can be saved. Praise the Lord. Okay, so in the beginning was the word of God. And by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. In St. Chronicles 20:17, you will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So sometimes all we need to do is focus on get your position in authority and stay in your position. Just stay in your position and let God speak to you about what you say or what you do. Okay? Praise the Lord. Okay, that's what I have. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Mike.